podcast brought to you for Insta School Shropshire. Coming up in this edition, we have Rachel, Hannah and Becky discussing the new disciplinary system, Emily and Megan interviewing Olympic silver medalist Nick Gillingham when he visited the school recently, and James gives us his roundup of the best PS2 games of 2005. First off, here's a debate about the new disciplinary policy. Hi, I'm Rachel. Today I will be interviewing some other Year 8s about what they think about the new point system. In the studio we have Hannah and Becky. Hi guys! Uh, Hannah, can you explain the new points rule? Well, every time we do something bad, like um, we forget our equipment or we, we back answer the teacher or anything bad, then we'll get five points. When you back answer the teacher or talking class, you get three warnings and then you get five points. Third warning's five points. And at the end, on Friday, if you get 30 points or more, you get a detention. But if you only get 15 points in a week, it has to carry on through the next week until you get 30 points. Okay, Becky, what is your opinion on the point system? Um, I think the point system is quite good, but whether it will work or not for a while, I'm not sure, and whether it will die down in a couple of months. What are your worries about this? Well, I'm worried that everybody's going to get in detention at some point. Yes, I see your point. Hannah, what is your opinion? I think your point should be wiped out every two weeks or something because all you have to do is get mm. six things wrong in something like a whole term and you'll get a detention and that's quite harsh. I think there should be good points as well if you do something good. I've heard that they're introducing a merit system as well as the demerits. I think that should have been um, introduced at the same time as the points. Yeah, I agree. Do you think the system could be made better in any way, Becky? Um, I don't think that the system could be made better in any way, but just the same as Hannah to say that it should be wiped out more often rather than like every term because it's just it would just carry on and you could end up with so many points. Yes, okay. Becky, do you think the system will change the behaviour of the people? Um, I think it might affect the behaviour of some pupils. Hannah, what do you think? Um, I think... Well, I, when every time like we've had a fire alarm or something, we go out and everybody's ties longer, so I think it's improved like the way people look and it's made the school smarter. The teachers just sometimes keep forgetting to give the um, points out. Mm, I agree with that. Yeah. I agree. I think if this system is going to work, it's, ha- it's going to have to be consistent. Next, we have a very special interview with Nick Gillingham, one of our best ever championship swimmers. He's won three consecutive European titles, Commonwealth and World Goals, Olympic Silver and Bronze, and an MBE. Emily and Megan interviewed him when he visited the school recently. I'm Emily and that's Megan. Today we've got Nick Gillingham, who is a 200 metre breaststroker from the Seoul Olympics who won a silver medal in... 1988, that was. 1988. Yeah, giving my age away nearly already. <laughs> We're only going to keep you here for about four or five minutes, but we've got a few questions that we'd like to ask you. Is that sure, okay? that's grand. How old were you when you started to swim? I joined a swimming club when I was eight years of age, and that was back in 1975. And it was actually Walsall Swimming and Water Polo Club, so not too far away from here. But my mum taught me to swim for safety reasons when I was really a, um, a baby, um, still pretty much in nappies, so I've been swimming all my life. Um, 
did you ever want to do any other jobs than be a swimmer? Well, I did lots of different sports, uh, and especially at school, on the uh, school cricket team, cross-country team, basketball team, the swim team, but swimming was the one that I had most passion for, so it was the only club outside of my school activities that um, I joined, and, uh, and that was Walsall Swimming Club, so I, uh, I did have some other options at school. Um, I wasn't sure whether I was really ever going to become an Olympic swimmer, but uh, it came true. But one of my other options was uh, to actually be a PE teacher. My favourite subject was PE at school, but it wasn't a real subject back then, so I had to pretend it was geography. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a PE teacher these days. As a, I work for the Youth Sport Trust and visit lots of schools on a weekly basis. Do you have any other hobbies in swimming? Do you have any hobbies other than swimming? Um, I, I do have other hobbies. Um, uh, swimming is indeed a hobby now. I mean, as you point out, I just swim to stay fit and I, I enjoy swimming with my, my children and have fun in the water. But um, I like to go camping with my, my family. I've got three boys, a nine-year-old boy, a five-year-old and a three-year-old boy. So we like hiking and walking and um, climbing mountains and, and, and doing, uh, doing things like that. The outdoorsy life, really. So um, I still... Uh, enjoy watching and, and playing lots of different sports. I like jogging. Um, I think running clears my head just as much as swimming does. Um, gives me some time to myself. So um, being active is uh, is important to me. Um, I'm, I'm terrible at golf, but I have tried it on uh, probably too many occasions. Um, what do you, what did you find that like used to motivate you just before you went in the pool about to compete? What sort of cleared your head? And I I always had um well I was very competitive. And obviously, any race I was, I was there to win. Um, not that I always won, but I had that attitude and that determination. And um, because I worked so hard, um, you know, I, I wanted to uh, to make sure I could do my best every time I raced. Um, uh, sometimes success uh, is only measured by gold medals, but there's a lot more that goes into a performance. It might be a personal best. You might break a world record, but somebody might beat you by one one hundredth of a second. Um, that certainly doesn't make you a failure. So we can base success uh, um, um, in different ways. Um, and I was fortunate to win just one world title, but I, I got Olympic silver and bronze. So what motivates me really is um, having the the desire to prove to myself that I can be the best I can be and to make the most of my talents, so that, I, that I can go and did go the full distance. How many medals have you won? I've won 17 championship medals. So we have the European Championships, the World Championships, Commonwealth Games, and of course the Olympic Games. So out of those four, I've won 17. Um, and I think four of them are gold medals. Uh, three... Yeah, three, four, five, five gold medals. Um, when you used to train, how many um, weeks, how many um, days a week did you train, and how many hours for? I swam six days a week. Um, some weeks we'd be in the water ten times. Um, generally, the sessions were pretty much two hours. Um, the odd one or two were an hour and a half. Um, some easy recovery sessions. So, um, the last session would be Monday morning. Uh, sorry, the last session would be a Saturday morning at 6.30, but middle of the week they'd start at 5 o'clock, uh, sometimes 5.30. Um, but it, it wasn't tough every week. Some weeks we could swim 40 miles, you know, 70,000 metres or more, but some weeks we might only swim six times and do less than half that distance. And we'd race. Every seventh week we'd have a competition to look forward to, either in this country or overseas, or a training camp somewhere overseas. So I've travelled the world, which has been a great experience. 
Have you got any other jobs or passions that you do other than um, swimming when you did this? Well, I worked part-time uh, in the early years of my swimming career within uh, Birmingham Sports Development <clears throat> and then having won Olympic silver medals, there was no national lottery back then, um, I was fortunate to get a sponsorship um, arrangement um, and I then was able to carry on for another um, oh well, nine, nine years I had sponsorship for, so I, I continued until 1996. Um, and, and since my retirement, um, I've remained in sports development and currently work, as I've mentioned, for the Youth Sport Trust. Do you see a difference between people who do succeed like you did and uh, people who don't in, in terms of their training and fitness or in terms of their commitment and personality? I think it's to do with commitment and personality. Um, just to keep going in pursuit of your dreams um, relentlessly, um, sometimes through adversity, mm -hmm. <clears throat> sometimes um, against those people that uh, give an indication that you can't do it and, and therefore you want to prove them wrong. So that, that strong competitive instinct uh, is still with me today as mm -hmm. I was born with it. Um, so I would say it's very much more a, a personality driven thing uh, and, a, and a trait in that respect. People work just as hard but for some reason, you know, don't go the full distance, and uh, I think that's what makes a difference. Thank you very much for coming in and answering our questions, and we'll be telling you when it's on. My pleasure. It's great to be back at Idsall School again. <laughs> Thank you. Now, here's James who's going to do a roundup of the best PS2 PSP games of 2005. And remember, if anyone would like to add their views or comments about James's opinions or about anything else you hear on the podcast, contact Mr Jones in ICT. So, over to James the Games. This year has been a very interesting one for people who enjoy playing games. Now these are the top five games, PSP and PS2. And number five is Metal Gear Solid 3 which wins the award for luscious greenery, starting up a world which the player interacts with and evolves around him, requiring your character to eat, heal and adapt to different situations. This is a very immersive game which blends the Cold War with the supernatural. A very good choice. Number 4 is Gran Turismo 4. The ultimate racing simulator is back and better than ever with shinier motors. Being a free plus, this would be available to everybody in the school. Gran Turismo is a game which takes its motors very seriously. Buying, performance upgrades, everything. It is carnet heaven. And at number 3, Ace Combat Squadron Leader, the Flyboy Sim. You may consider Top Gun, forget it. This game beats them all, and docks on a heat-seeking missile and then runs away. You start as a lowly fighter pilot called Blaze. As you advance through the ranks and gain respect of your comrades, your missions get harder and harder and uncover a secret conspiracy to destroy your country. At number two, The Sims 2. The life simulator returns with hundreds of recipes, new careers, and thousands of new items, allowing greater customization of your Sims than ever before, allowing you to make yourself a new life. Number one, the game of the year, as far as I'm concerned, for PS2, has to be Resident Evil 4. Now this is a 15, so if you're any younger, forget it. You have to go for something else, I'm afraid, sorry. This is a game where whoever you talk to, it ends up with 
Remember the bit when? It grabs you. It's so well scripted. It's like watching a movie. Your character, Leon S. Kennedy, a survivor from a zombie outbreak in a place called Raccoon City six years ago. Now a US agent with a taste for adventure finds himself in a rural and lonely part of Europe. The only clue you get of the game's location. You begin to believe that you're in this world. all for this podcast remember get in touch with mr jones if you have any ideas for next time and until then take care